Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are locked on bucks. Your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. We're we're almost uh, through the, uh, the this long wait to to get to another game. So I'm I'm looking forward to. Seeing, um, you know, against my better judgment, I'm looking forward to watching the Milwaukee Bucks play basketball again. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not the best decision. Um, the last 25 years would probably but advise that, honestly, against that. But <laughs> it is funny. That I will say this: no matter, like, I don't think there's been. I'm trying to think of this. I'm trying to think back. I mean, somehow I'm. I never not look forward to, to Bucks games. I'm the same I don't know. Way. I mean, I. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just like a sickness, right? I mean, I guess that's how it you is. get to the point where where we. I've spent so long covering this team, talking about this team, not <laughs> not giving up on this team in spite of itself. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and and I don't know. I mean, the Miami Heat have won an eleven in a row, eleven in a row. But screw it, man. Yeah, Bucks got to win this game. I, I like. I still feel like I still look at the Heat, and even the last few years, like post LeBron, but still with Dwayne Wade, it just the Heat never scared me. Like the Bucks tended to play them well. I think. And I just don't. I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe it was just Dwayne Wade because they've killed the Bulls three <laughs> three times. They've played him since yeah. Wade went there. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's just something about Dwayne Wade that that is <laughs> matches up well with the Bucks. But um, but I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I feel like I feel like this is a game I'm 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 hopeful of. I don't know if anybody's printing out uh, 22 and 31 t-shirts <laughs> um, to predict the end of the. 22 and 30 heats win streak but um maybe not quite that level of of the warriors streak a couple years ago but um i'm looking forward to the game and and but before we get to that i mean we had a a very uh interesting day of practice today that you were in attendance for at the uh place formerly known as the cousin center yeah it was uh well, I mean, it's it's a newsworthy day because you have the Middleton return tomorrow, and obviously a bunch of of news cameras are going to be there because I mean it's a it's a momentous occasion, I guess, for this Bucks team. They've been struggling a little bit, and Chris Middleton was their best player last year. Again, we can argue it, but I don't really feel like it. Um, so for the, for the whole season, for the whole season, I would say yes. I, uh, I think you correct. I would say post All Star, I think it was Giannis, but yeah. Middleton was great last year, and and obviously, we look forward to the real Chris Middleton returning. So yeah, it's it's a big deal. So there's a lot of people there, and I, I'm working my way through the scrum a little bit and looking out on the floor and still seeing guys practice. And okay, whatever. So I get on my phone, start getting ready to tweet some stuff, and then all of a sudden I hear this voice, and I'm like, hmm, that's it's kind of a loud voice. It's relatively it's relatively annoying. I was like, "That's is that that's Kevin Garnett?" Okay, um, 
and it, again, KG's appearances are never really, uh, they're not announced, they're not promoted, he just shows up when he wants to. Um, so KG was there today, uh, and obviously that's it's kind of an interesting thing, so I think that kind of took some people aback a little bit, because everyone was just there with their with their Middleton storylines and trying to figure out how many minutes Chris was going to play uh, tomorrow and kind of get a feel of the team as they're struggling. They just won after losing five straight. And it was just funny that in the middle of what was kind of already a circus was KG just hanging out. Um, so I, I guess it was interesting. Um, I, I want to talk to Jabari a little bit more tomorrow um, because – uh, Jabari was the one that kind of got the the one-on-one time a little bit after the practice. And last time, you may remember, I wrote something at ESPN Milwaukee about how KG was talking to Giannis. And uh, I had some video of him going through spin moves with him and uh, trying to tell him the importance of counter moves and all the different things that he could do. Um, so I, I'll be interested to talk to Jabari tomorrow to kind of figure out was there anything in particular KG was saying? Anything that he was trying to impart? Any wisdom that he was trying to give to Jabari? So that should be interesting. But I, just the fact that he was Jabari kind of centered and focused uh, today was interesting, I thought, uh, just because last time it was Giannis and I think even Thon a little bit as well. And uh, the next time KG had a Area 21 appearance on TNT, he was talking about how, how Thon is going to be a great player and how Giannis is this and that. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear kind of what he was working with Jabari on. Um, so I, I look forward to that tomorrow, and I'm sure I'll have a, a dispatch on that uh, tomorrow night after the game, um, and maybe we'll talk about it on Thursday or something. But um, that was interesting. And also interesting was last time when when we asked Kid about, hey, how often is KG coming by? Um, was this planned in advance? Uh, were you trying to figure out when you could fit them in and this time I, I asked a similar question because I mean the Bucks are obviously struggling they've lost 10 of 12 and in my mind okay maybe KG's a, a morale booster someone that that can come in here and try to help out and maybe get him out of this funk and when I asked kid said no this was this is a pre-planned visit and uh, they they have three or, I think he said three or four more plan for the rest of the season so that would be a an increase in visits from kg as he's done just two thus far through about 50 games so um part of me wonders if that was a a spot where kid misspoke and he meant three or four for the season um that he'd maybe come one or two more times but we'll see maybe maybe he will be in milwaukee three or four times and uh he mentioned that it could happen on the home uh, at home or on the road so maybe uh some of those appearances will happen on like maybe the West Coast road trip, something like that. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. KG was there, and I was I was not ready for that. Yeah, I, don't, I guess I guess kid doesn't have like a red phone that goes straight to KG, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's always interesting. I'd I'd be fascinated. I mean, you never obviously you're never going to get like a straight answer, but I'm I would be fascinated to know, uh, you know, to to hear a player's like candid view of, um, you know. Okay, John Stockton was here. Gary Payton's been here. KG's been here. 
you know, all the, you know, you've got assistant coaches, you got all these guys that come through. I'd be really curious to know, you know, off the, and obviously the, nobody's going to say this probably on the record, but off the record, you know, how do these, all these various guys sort of stack up, you know, who actually uh, tells Giannis something that actually Ooh, he feels like helps yeah. him, you know? That'd and be fascinating. You know, because I mean, obviously there's the, there's the, the perpetual question of, you know, how much does being a great player really help you be great at coaching? And that's obviously a very poignant question in Milwaukee, given the Bucks have an all-time great uh, coach and obviously plenty of questions about whether, you know, he can take this team to, to the next level. Um, but I, I do think it's an interesting thing, you know, because it's like, you you know, you tweeted some video of KG, you know, doing some kind of random drill or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see a guy like KG or, you know, Kobe talking to Giannis last year as being sort of, motivating to, to guys like Giannis and Jabari and Thon because of just their stature and, you know, the, the weight that their words carry. Um, but it's like, you know, in terms of giving tricks and tips, yeah, I guess I could see KG providing some because obviously KG, you know, aged in, in a way where he was, a, you know, a massively influential defensive player even as he grew older and was not, you know, statistically the same guy that he was as an MVP type player early in his career. So, I'm sure he knows some stuff, but it's like, you know, it is kind of interesting to think, you know, well, how much does he know or how much can he help versus, uh, you know, showing up every once in a while versus, you know, coaches or, or trainers or whatever it might be. But anyway, yeah, I digress. No, I think that's an interesting point is it is great that these guys come by, but how much how much could they change habits? Could they give a tip? Could they give something that these guys can use the next day? Like. KG shows up on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, does Giannis, does Jabari, does Thon, does anyone on the roster have something that next day that they can use going forward that they didn't have on that Tuesday when when KG was around? Do they actually keep that? Is there any? Um, are they retaining a certain amount of knowledge, skills, tricks, tips, any of that? Is that sticking with those guys? And I, I mean, part of you would think, okay, this is an all-time great player, and maybe it does stick with them. Maybe that is something that is very poignant to them as they go forward. But it could also be, well, he was there that day, and that day I did whatever he was telling me to do, and well, since I didn't have him drilling it into my head, and well, with KG he could actively be drilling it into your head. Uh, he, he could literally be drilling stuff into your head. <laughs> like he, if he's not there to do that, well, are you still doing that going forward? So um, I, I do. I think it's a it's an interesting question, and the one you said about which former legend taught you taught you most. Man, that one is would be awesome to actually hear. Uh, actual opinions on rather than well i learned this from this guy and this from this guy they were all great um hearing an honest candid opinion on that would be awesome yeah i think i think the cool thing with kg at least is that he's coming back more than once you know so he's not just you know a tourist sort of um so so i don't know you know again maybe that maybe that does uh help to leave a more lasting impression although i i think with a guy like him it really is probably more of just sort of the psychological effect of of having a guy um come and, and provide sort of some some maybe some words of wisdom maybe instill some confidence in these guys and um you know what it wasn't Giannis joking about did he joke about like how kg made like eight million references to the work to being a warrior <laughs> or something like that yes. um so so we'll see we'll see if that uh we'll see if uh if that has a long lasting impact i mean hey 
since KG's started showing up, Giannis became an all-star starter this season. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think we can give him all the credit, but, um, but obviously that's a, that's a positive thing. Um, any other thoughts? Um, I mean, I guess Jason Kidd alluded to Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes, who, who are now in Milwaukee. Um, I guess we haven't heard any indication of Roy Hibbert not playing due to the apparent, you know, knee injury he's been nursing. That's, Steve Clifford alluded to as being kind of a, you know, fundamentally sort of limiting his his effectiveness for most of the season. But um, I think Kid alluded to them playing, but it doesn't seem like we necessarily know that much more because um, I don't know that that's the kind of thing Jason Kidd will sort of say stuff, and then I am not surprised at all if he does the exact opposite. So. Yeah, I was going to say there there wasn't really anything notable to me about what he said about that rotation. Um, other than the joke that, you know what, we're going to play all five of the centers we got at the same time and kind of roll it out and see what happens because surely that'll make them all happy or something like that. Um, But it was a a smart-ass retort that I enjoyed, Um, and I'm I'm totally cool with uh, that. But, yeah, he didn't didn't shed a ton of light into the situation. And, And like you said, Hibbert isn't particularly healthy. Um, no one has really tried to hide that fact. Um, and I, I think it's something that's probably frustrated him throughout this season. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much he'll get to play. Um, Hawes is healthy. Uh, I mean, thinking about it from a strategical standpoint, he makes some sense in the corner series stuff that the Bucks run. He makes some sense helping stretch the floor a little bit. Um, so maybe he fits into some minutes, but I don't really have much confidence there. Um, so as far as those two go, I don't have a better read of the situation. Um, but the, I mean, the big thing of the day was Middleton, and he was actually very forthright about what Middleton, like the Middleton plan. So that was that was surprising. Yeah. So I guess no huge shock. Fifteen twenty minutes, but don't hold him to that uh, on on Wednesday for Chris um, and. You know, hey, I'm just going to be. Uh, it reminds me a little of, of when Jabari came back from the the ACL injury, where you're, you know, you're just kind of hoping the guy gets through it and and looks okay. And obviously, you know, if if he, the first time he goes down, you're going to be holding your breath. Um, and I, I think with Chris, I don't know. On some level, I'm even more nervous, maybe in some ways, just because of hamstrings being so so fickle. Um, and, and and I don't know. But but again, this is such a rare injury. I mean, you. I, I was trying to find examples of NBA players who had sort of a, a proper, complete tear of a hamstring injury. I didn't even find any in my first attempt to look for it. Um, and so, I don't know. If anybody has, has data on that, let us know. I did find a, a medical journal article uh, back in the fall. Uh, it was actually had contributions um, from the doctor who, who did the surgery on Chris, also the same doctor who did Jabari's uh, ACL and I believe um, the hip surgery that MCW had. Um, but, uh, I mean, there are some examples, I think, in the NFL, but like in terms of named guys, I really wasn't able to find any. So, um, again, I think, you know, kind of job one for the rest of the season is just keeping Chris healthy because, uh, you know, if anything happens to him, then we're going to get the onslaught of, you know, did he come back too early questions, right? And, um, you know, I, I think all you can do at this point is just say, you just got to trust Chris and the team that, you know, they're not lying when they say that, that they're not going to risk anything. Um, and, and obviously to some extent, you know, you can only sort of 
just rest a guy for so long before at some point he's got to go back out there and, and you can only you know, just sort of see how he reacts. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, you can't put him in bubble wrap. Like, that's that's not an option. Like, you're not going to put him in bubble wrap for the rest of the season and say, well, he, he's healthy, but we don't want to risk it. Well, at some point he does. Well, you could, I mean, you could, you could put him in bubble wrap for this season. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Would that be totally ridiculous to just say, like, yes. you know what, you're not going to play totally the rest of the season? You think so? If, if you have a professional basketball player that's ready to play basketball, you're going to hold them out for 30 games? Like, that seems a, a little ridiculous to me. Like, I think you'd have some major, major, major pushback from Chris at that point. It's possible. I, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit of, so he's been medically cleared, so that's obviously the most important thing. Um, you know, I think back to, I think it was... I don't know how long he sat out, but I think I remember correctly. Derek Rose was cleared to return from his ACL injury um, at some point that following season, and he basically just didn't didn't come back. If I remember that correctly, yep. and obviously then there, you know, I mean, this is, the worst thing is then you get in these questions where guys are like, "Oh, is the guy tough enough?" Blah blah blah, and it's like, you know, I mean, psychologically, I'm not going to act like I know what it's like to come back from an injury of that severity. I I have no clue, especially. I certainly don't have a clue as as someone who's getting paid millions of dollars based on my my physical talents of what it's like yeah. when you're paranoid about hurting yourself again. So, um, so I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's I, a good question. I think part of I think part of it for me is just because I, I, I was like you know he was originally the six month timetable would have put him out till late March, mm-hmm. and if you're out till late March, then I I was just sort of preparing like okay, sure. well it's another two sure. weeks, especially if the bucks if the bucks weren't going to be good, you know, do you really want to bring him back for that really short period of time and and risk something else and and so yeah but but it's a valid question i mean if he is legitimate you know, I mean, obviously you assume he's legitimately healthy he's medically cleared um you know yeah i can see the argument that yeah okay you you know you can sit on him for 30 games but you know are you are you really accomplishing much of anything if uh, if he is healthy i mean uh, uh, the, i guess the, the more operative question would be you know you just have to be very careful with him when you do bring him back right because obviously yeah. you don't want to throw him out there for 35 minutes uh, right off the bat which you know Thankfully, the Bucks aren't doing. It. And, and I think a big thing too is is the fact that with Chris, he does have somewhat of a history of coming back from injuries too early. Like if you if you talk to him a little bit, he'll probably tell you that he maybe came back from that injury too early at Texas A and M, and that might have hurt him a little bit. And again, we can argue whether or not he'd have been a first round or whatever. That that part of it doesn't matter. But the fact that He'll probably tell you that he came back from that injury too early. I think to me that that looms large in whether or not Chris Middleton should be playing because he knows what it's like to come back from an injury too early, and the organization knows that he has that in his past. And and it, it would just it would seem to me to defy logic that the Bucks would allow Chris Middleton to come back too early from an injury when he's done that in the past and it's been detrimental to his play and possibly uh, some of his health at the time. Like it, it just seems to me, it seems unlikely that they would allow him to do it. And, and I guess the big thing for me was I asked Chris today was, were there points where you had a kind of watch yourself and say like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is too much. I'm pushing myself too hard. And he said, no, like, uh, the trainers were with me every day. And, uh, I know some people are always 
curious about this and wondering who's kind of in charge and uh, especially with Jabari working almost exclusively with Suki Hobson on the way back um, I asked him who was kind of in charge and he said it was Suki Hobson and Tim O'Leary and uh, they they kind of worked together on that and it, it seemed like the way the way he made it seem was that no matter what I was doing I was being watched by them and what if there was a player that was trying to push me too hard if there was a coach that was trying to push me too hard they were kind of looking over my shoulder to say like hey like let's let's just take our time and let's do this the right way um so so that was important that was important to me I thought that was a big deal and Middleton also saying I don't know how long it'll take me to to play my regular minutes from last year, but I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to listen to my trainers and coaches. And, and then also the, of course this would kind of be the way it would be with a coach that kid says 15 to 20 minutes. And then when you ask Chris a little bit later, he says 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and it was funny that Chris's high side was kids low side. And it, you can kind of just imagine that in your head that, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure kids going to try to push him hard but it's the same thing the the trainers are going to be there they're going to try to monitor that closely and and Chris did seem pretty open and candid about well I don't know how I'm going to react like uh, we're going to try to go out there and if I'm comfortable then that's fine we'll play but if I'm struggling well then I'm just going to I'm just going to sit out and that that'll kind of be how it is and he's like and it'll also matter how I'm playing if I'm playing terribly well I did, I wouldn't blame coach for for sitting me. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, and yeah, I know my my mentions since the moment they announced Chris possibly coming back around this time have been full of people. I really hope the Bucks aren't pushing him too hard. I, I hope they're not letting him come back early. And to me, I I get that concern because it's it's an insane inju- injury, like your hamstring literally being ripped off the bone. But at the same time, uh, with his history and, and with the training staff that the Bucks have, it seems unlikely to me that they would they would try to push him back too soon. So so that's something that I feel pretty comfortable with, and it's going to be interesting to watch to see how how quickly they try to ramp him up and how quickly they can ramp him up. I think the thing I'm most curious to watch over the next few weeks, other than obviously Chris staying healthy, is what he looks like in much more of a peripheral role and i think that's something that you know bucks fans have often kind of thought okay well you know as soon as when chris becomes the third banana then that's going to be a good thing for the bucks because it means that the other two guys have really stepped up their game and are living up to kind of their more sort of high ceiling type potential and chris is being more of the sort of floor spacer shooter um secondary or you know even third um you know creator out of out of that group and so it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious how much playmaking he'll he'll have to do early on. You know, um, is he just pretty much going to be spotting up and shooting threes? Uh, you know, is he basically going to be Tony Snell basically in terms of um, the way he's used? I imagine they will try to get him the ball um, at least some point to run a little pick and roll here and there because he he you know became pretty good at that last year. But um, but I think it will be interesting. And in, in you know in some ways maybe that that eases that transition that we've all assumed might happen at some point. Um, you know, with him coming back and kind of having to slowly get back in, into a role. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of us have, have struggled watching, you know, the Bucks guards just not be able to kind of make plays off the dribble and, you know, 
hit jump shots other than kind of catch and shoot plays all year. Um, so we'll see if Chris can do that, how quickly he can get back to doing that. Um, he's obviously, you know, a terrific player who, you know, without him, the, the backcourt has is, is not been much to look at. I'm, I'm fascinated to see if, if people will miss him enough that on his first fadeaway 15-footer on the baseline, they don't freak out. Because <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a test to me, because everyone hates that shot and just crushed Middleton for that shot for the last two years. Um, so I'll, I'll just be interested. It's going to be fascinating, but I, th- I think you're totally right. It, the the transition from Chris Middleton, lead playmaker that he was in January of last season, and it started to obviously change as Point Giannis came into play and as Jabari started to take a bigger role and kind of seen that that next version of 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 Middleton of what they try to do with Chris and where he's going to play and the action that he's going to see. Do we see the return of some of the, the floppy action that we've seen in the past with some of the Bucks shooting guards? I know they run some of it with Terry does Middleton just kind of slot into that area. And instead of just letting Terry run around all over the place, do you actually give Middleton the ball when he, when he makes one of those curl cuts and uh, does he get some of those elbow jumpers out of again? It's, I'm I'm totally fascinated by it, and I cannot wait to see what it looks like tomorrow night. Uh, and again, it, that's going to be the first iteration of it, and it's going to change in the next thirty games, and it's probably going to change game by game and and be different each night. But I'm I'm fascinated to see it. Well, he'll be going up against a Heat team that has won eleven in a row, and I don't care. I I demand a Bucks win tomorrow. I demand the streak be snapped. Yeah, Eric. Um, and I'm I'm looking at some of the numbers. I mean, the Heat have had a good defense all year. Uh, you know, Hassan Whiteside is is obviously the anchor there, but obviously there, there's a lot more to that. You have to give uh, Eric Spolstra lots of credit for everything he's done this year. I mean, they have been even during this wing streak. I mean, they lost Justice Winslow. They've been playing without Josh Richardson. You know, Josh McRoberts has been as usual out for forever. And oh yeah, Chris Bosh is you know basically either having to retire or maybe he'll. Uh, come back someplace other than Miami. Um, so really just, I mean, hats off to, to what Spolstra and this team of, you know, kind of misfits are doing. I mean, Dion Waiters is playing some of the best basketball of his life uh, and doing some things that, you know, I think guess the, the, the Cavs thought when they drafted him fourth overall however many years ago. So, um, but we'll be interested to see. I mean, this is a team that did not shoot the three ball well in their first 40 games. Uh, last 10 games are shooting 45% from three. Um, interestingly, 45% from three and under 70% from the free throw line. So, uh, kind of an interesting combination of things that they're doing, but, um, they've been, you know, still great defensively and they've been actually very, very good offensively as well over this, this 11 game win streak. And, you know, you just sort of assume at some point that that has to run out, just looking at the talent on the roster. Um, you know, this feels like just kind of a hot streak shooting the ball that, you know, the likes of Dion waiters and company are not going to keep up. But um, then again, they're going up against a Bucks team that, let's be honest, doesn't exactly have the makings of a uh, you know team that's going to snap a, a uh, an offense that's that's on a hot streak. Um, I don't know. What's your take? I mean, the last time we saw these teams in Milwaukee, the Bucks ran out to a huge lead and then kind of um, yeah, the game kind of became a little interesting late, but never really got too close. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, on one hand, I'm I'm not I can't bear bring myself to expect to win but <laughs> the Bucks have to start winning some of these games I mean like honestly like if you're going to be competitive like you're going to have to beat the Miami Heat at home 
in this in February, even if they are on a win streak. Sorry, that's just, that's just you're gonna have to start winning some of these games again. I will be fascinated to see what this version of Deion Waiters does to the Milwaukee Bucks because Waiters has been a Bucks killer literally this entire year. He has killed them this year, and now this version of Deion Waiters that's actually a very competent basketball player and seems to be carrying them. Like if he was killing them before, Oh my gosh, what's he going to do now? 40, 50 is, is that out of the question tomorrow night? Uh, so, so I say it in jest, but I'm, I'm totally fascinated by, uh, the, I don't even know, emergence of, of Deion waiters reemergence. I, I don't even know what it would be called, but, uh, that'll be interesting to me. Um, I, it's the same thing, I guess, kind of in a lot of these games for me is this this Heat team just isn't super talented. Uh, uh, with as many injuries as they have, it, it just isn't a great team. And it's hard for me not to look at it and think the Bucks guys should have some big nights. Uh, I, I know they're, they're on the middle of the, in the, I mean, 11 and games in a row is huge but i i just look at this team and think to myself this is a team the bucks should should be able to find some success against like rodney mcgruder played 38 and a half minutes against the minnesota timberwolves in their last win rodney mcgruder that's crazy luke babbitt plays 13 minutes a night wayne allington 15 like it there's just guys on this roster that i would think the bucks should exploit and it's going to be interesting if they can actually do that uh, this time around. And yeah, if uh, you said it last night, and I, it kind of fascinated me, is the idea that I would like for Giannis to be able to go to the All Star game with some confidence, and not with the narrative of this Bucks team is lost right now. And despite Giannis being great, the Bucks have been bad for the last month, and maybe Giannis has been a part of that. Like, I don't want that narrative to, to exist. So I'm totally with you in saying that this is a game that I, I think the Bucks should win. It, it just is. And again, 11-game win streak, Spoh's awesome. Deion Waiters is, has come to life. I get all of that, but I just think the Bucks should win this game. Yeah, uh, as bad as the Bucks have been of late, uh, for some reason we, you know, mentally we cannot get to the point of expecting a Bucks loss against the Heat. We we tried, we did our best. We're we stupid, at the numbers. Frank. We're just we're just stupid and naive. That's what we are. I believe in the mean reversion of Deion Waiters happening at some point. Um, <laughs> he, he did not play well the last game, so so hopefully that that uh, continues. But over the last uh, ten games, twenty one points five assists, four rebounds, 50% shooting from the field. Um, and his three-point percentage on the season up to 39%. So um, so he has, has obviously been playing at, at a high level, and the Bucks have seen that. And I guess, you know, even before the hot streak, I mean, Deion Waiters did one of the best jobs on Giannis in the yeah. first game in Miami that we've seen all year, which is kind of shocking to say. But it seemed like in that game, Giannis just tried to repeatedly post him up, and Waiters was just kind of too, I don't know, too strong, too bullish to, to be really worked on on the, on the block, and um, Giannis had a bad game in that one. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, this is an interesting team. I think whoever whoever Luke Babbitt is guarding, probably Jabari early. Um, Jabari, I mean, please, you got to murder that dude. Please, literally, I want that last matchup. All I could watch was Jabari getting covered by Luke Babbitt and thinking in my head, 
go score 30 on him on this play. Like, just destroy him. Please. And and I, I think the exact same way. If Luke Babbitt's on the floor, whoever he is covering just needs to take advantage of it. All right. So if Luke Babbitt is in a chalk outline by uh, about 10 o'clock <laughs> on, on Wednesday night, uh, we will be very disappointed, um, but uh, but we shall see. Any anything else, Eric? We uh, we'll have the Lakers game to look forward to after this one, um, but I'm sure obviously uh, we'll have plenty of reaction to, to tomorrow night's game, and especially with Chris Middleton coming back. And um, I guess I guess I don't know. We should we just leave it with with fingers crossed for Chris? Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's let's hope for just like one cool three, one one cool drive to the basket, one cool. Just one cool moment that we can just circle and say, that is Chris Middleton. That that would be happy. That would make me happy enough. Whether or not he plays a terrible 15 minutes, if there's that one moment, I, I think I can be happy. Well, and the Bucks should win, and Giannis and Jabari should play good. Um, so if all those things happen, then then I can be happy after this one. But uh, that's going to be it for us on Locked on Bucks today. We will talk to you, like Frank said, after the Heat game tomorrow night, um, and we'll have that ready for you on Thursday morning. So uh, as always, for Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.